Easter, and then we'll pick it up again after Easter. And so if you have a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to open it with me to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read verses one, or excuse me, 21 through 25. I titled the series Joy-Filled Living. And if you haven't been with us, in just little, you know, four-chapter book here, 104 verses, Paul uses the word joy, you know, uh, some 19 times. And, and it's just an amazing story I've shared with you. It's probably my favorite New Testament book. If you've come to me for counseling, this is the book I, I spend so much time in because it's such an encouragement when usually people are coming in for counseling, they're going through something difficult in their life. They're, it's usually some kind of struggle, uh, something that they're up against. And Paul is just a great model, you know, for us uh, to look at. And here in his life, he's writing from a Roman prison cell. Um, you know, he has gone through, you know, trials that you and I can hardly even relate to and the beatings that he's received for his faith and his love for God, his love for people, um, being, you know, like I said, shipwrecked, you know, starving, uh, the loss of everything in his life. I mean, he's he's been to the mountaintop, you can say, he's been to the valley low, and one thing that never changed was his joy. And so we we all look at his life. And I think, you know, if we if there was a, a topic, especially this last year, where we felt like, you know, our joy was being sucked out of us, it was, you know, this, during this COVID pandemic. And uh, so to be able to look at a life that the, regardless of the circumstances that he was facing, you know, his joy meter was peaked out always at the top. And so, you know, for me, that that's somebody, you know, I want to I want to look at their life. I want to go, hey, what, what's your secret? You know, what is it about you? And so I titled the message because it's really no secret when you study the Apostle Paul's life. But I, I put the secret to joy. And, and you might say this aloud with me, say, it's not about me. It's not about me. Because that's that's really the secret. You know, how many have heard the acrostic for joy that it's Jesus, others, and you? Raise your hand. Because that's what it is. If the really, I mean, that is the source of our joy is Jesus. When you make Jesus the, the thing in your life and who you seek more than anything else, and he becomes number one in your life, everything falls into place. You will experience peace that you've never known before. Even in the midst of tremendous, you know, trials, uh, I shared with you as a church, we've been praying for Chris Barnett. Uh, Chris is a young man, uh, used to be in fellowship here. He's, he attends Valley Baptist now, and uh, we have him come back, you know, each year and, and lead uh, uh, worship for us on uh, our sunrise service. So he was going to be here on Easter Sunday. Uh, he was involved in a work-related accident where he fell about 25 feet through a roof, uh, landed on his uh, shoulder and his neck, broke his neck, and he's paralyzed, um, you know, just above the waist. Uh, and here, here's a kid that, you know, was doing triathlons a month ago. And today he's laying in a recovery hospital in Denver, Colorado for the next three months uh, going through therapy, who doctors have said, you know, basically has about a 13% chance of ever walking again. And so if there was ever someone who, you know, we could all probably relate to today in the sense that we'd go, well, he, he deserves the, the, the right to be on a pity potty. You know, he deserves the right to be you know, questioning God and saying, you know, why, why this, you know, why me, why now, you know, I'm just a young man, just five years celebrated his fifth year anniversary from a hospital bed. And yet, if you could have talked to him, you know, I had the pleasure the other day, we were doing a zoom call and, uh, and he was laying there in the bed and he said, you know, pastor Mike, 
He said, you know, one of the things, you know, he goes, I'm not really asking the question why we were talking about the study in Philippians and things. And he goes, I'm just trying to understand, you know, God, what is it that you have for me? He's not, he's not on a pity body. He's not going, God, why did you allow this to happen? But what he's asking, and it's how we move. And it's what I shared with you last week. What was the, the secret in the sense you might say to Paul's joy? It was perspective. See, is that he saw, Paul did, he saw Jesus in everything. And, and that's exactly what Chris is doing. It doesn't mean that he's not going to have hard days and it's not going to be difficult at times, but having that perspective of going, you know, he's going, I, I sense the presence of God. He goes, I know people are praying for me. He goes, it's just amazing how you could, you just, you can feel it. And, and if you've ever been in that situation where you've humbled yourself, like he's telling me, he's going, Mike, you know, being in this situation, he said, you know, I'm laying in a hospital bed. He goes, I can't care for myself anymore. He goes, you, you just learned to have really no shame because you have to rely on other people to do everything for you. And he goes, it's this humility or this humbleness that, that God brings about, you know, in your life. And he said, but then this was the thing that reminded me so much of the apostle Paul and what I'm sharing with you today is he, he says to me, he goes, you know, um, here he is, you know, in a rehab hospital that's designed specifically for brain trauma and spinal cord injury. And so this is a high stress hospital. I mean, the things that doctors are having to to work with and just amazing the, the giftedness that God has blessed mankind with, that we have men and women who have that kind of skill that, that can even treat these type of injuries. And he said, you know, but this is what I want. He goes, and this is just him sharing with me. He just goes, you know, I want when the doctors and the staff and the people that come into, you know, the hospital, he goes, I want them to want to come to my room. He goes, I want to be a beacon of light. He goes, I want to be a beacon of hope for people. I want people to see Jesus. And sometimes people go, well, how could you see Jesus in this? You know, and you go, because it's not about this body. We're going to talk about that today. Okay. We're going to put this body off. It's about what God is in us. See, it's Christ in you. The Bible says the hope of glory. Amen. Greater is he who's where? Who's in me. Yeah. Than he who's in this world. And I love it when people, when they get that, because it has nothing to do with your circumstances in life. But like I said, a lot of people, because they're, again, the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is about your happenings, right? And joy is about Jesus. And, and, and Jesus is not, he's not moved. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when you place everything in him, you can be secure in that. And, and to be secure in his love. And we do fail and we do fall short, but he never does. And one of the great blessings that we have you know, is the understanding that no matter what goes on in this life, no matter what befalls us, that Jesus will never leave us, that he'll never forsake us. Amen. And so to have people that are reminding you, and that's what Paul is doing here today. So when we read this together, let's read verse 21 through 25, and then just take a moment and pray. He says, Paul writing here, he says, for to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. He says, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell for I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart, to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is far more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. Now it's pretty safe to say, here's a guy that basically is saying, it's not about me that he realized that his life is live for God. 
That's his purpose. That's his calling. And what was the same for Paul is same is the same for me. It's the same for you today. And so let's let's just take a moment. And let's ask God to you know just help us focus. And really, there's a couple verses here that I just really want to drive home today. That I hope encourage you and strengthen you, and just really help us. You know, as we we go through struggles and trials in life, to to pull us back. That it gives us the perspective that we need if we're going to experience the joy that we all desire to experience in our life. Father, we thank you for your word, and I thank you for this church. I thank you for our wonderful worship team who just, Lord, helps us to, to turn up the, the soil of our own hearts so that we're able to receive all that you have for us, to help us to open our eyes for all that you would have. Lord, we thank you for your word that's truth, that never changes, and Lord, but it changes us. And that's what we want today. Lord, we want to experience more joy, and we recognize afresh that that joy is found in you and none other. Oh, there's happiness and all kinds of great things that we get to experience this side of heaven. But as your word says, that eye hasn't seen nor ear heard, nor has it even entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And so, Lord, we recognize today, Lord, the best is still yet to be in our life, no matter how good it might be. And especially if it's not good today, Lord, that we have hope, Lord, because we have you. And so, Lord, help us, Lord to get our eyes off of ourselves and to get them on you, Lord, not because, Lord, you're some uh, narcissistic God who's egotistical and just needs our attention, but Lord, you, you recognize that when we love you and we put you first, as your word says, all these other things are added unto us. Everything falls into place. And so, Lord, forgive us for looking to other things and to other people, Lord, and help us today as Larry was leading us in worship today, let us lay aside, Lord, the weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Let us fix our eyes upon you today, Lord Jesus. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we love you and we bless you and we praise you and we pray that you'd be glorified in each of our lives today as we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. And we all agreed saying amen. Amen. So, you know, I, I look at this, this text here and, you know, again, for the Apostle Paul, it's just pretty simple, you know, that uh, he has dedicated his, his life to the Lord, his perspective. You remember, you go back and you study in the book of Acts when he was, I shared with you when he was known as, as Saul of Tarsus. And it says, and he breathed threats against the church. You just see that here was a man who was angry. There was no joy in his life whatsoever. And you go, what happened? You know, here, how, how does a guy that just hates people and literally, you know, wants them dead, you know, for loving Jesus, you know, becomes, you know, the author of two thirds of the New Testament and is known as the apostle of joy. And, and what happened for Paul is what God desires would happen for me and for you is he had an encounter with Jesus that here on this, this, this road to Damascus, when he was on his high horse and God knocked him off and caused him to become blind and then was prayed for and the scales, you know, removed from his eyes. That's why we pray, Lord, you know, give me eyes to see and give me ears to hear what the spirit Lord would have for me because I miss it so much because I look at all the things that are around us. That's why, you know, Paul would write, you know, don't be conformed. Don't let this, we're going to read this today. Don't be pressed into the things that the world is trying to do but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul, in this encounter, he experienced Jesus. And we read this in, in 2 you know, Corinthians. Remember, he was taken up into the third heaven, right? 
He wasn't just taken up into the sky. He wasn't just taken up into the atmosphere. He wasn't just taken up into the stars. It says he was taken up into the third heaven where he was in the very presence of God. And in the presence of God, that changed everything. And so we might be here today and we'd go, gosh, you know, Pastor Mike, if I could go to heaven, I mean, that would change everything too. And I've said that to you. I said, man, if I could take you to heaven today and you could see the 75 acres that you're going to get, you know, we read the book of Revelation and you're going to get those 75 acres one day and Jesus has prepared it just for you. And you could go there and see what your room was going to be like. Would that change the way that you live today? Absolutely. For every single one of us. Well, the Bible says we can experience that by what? By faith. By faith, by placing our hope and our trust in him, that God gives us, again, as he said, you know, eye hasn't seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. You go, but what's happened? He's given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit then quickens God's word as you and I read it, and he begins to give us the opportunity to apply it in our lives. We come to a place where, as, as Paul, I was sharing with you last week, Paul's not any longer going, going, why is this happening to me? You know, he says in verse 12, he's going, this is happening to me. It's not why any longer, it's what. It's not God, why, but what is it that you'd have for me? It's not God, you know, why, why am I suffering? Why am I hurting? Why am I being treated like, I love you. I'm just trying to tell people all about you. And I'm going through, you know, living hell, you could say. He's going, it's not the issue any longer. He settled that. Then you go, it's about the furtherance of the gospel. It's not about me. That, that's his mantra. And, it, and if you're going to experience joy and I'm going to experience joy, you think about it in your life. When we get on a self-pity party, man, where does joy go? It goes right out the window, right? But man, when you live by the acrostic of joy of Jesus, others, and you, you go, man, your joy is made full. And you go, why? Because the Bible says that there's a peace that's available to me and you that it says it surpasses the why. It surpasses what? The understanding. Because like I've shared with you, even if God told us everything that was going on in our lives, that wouldn't bring you peace. It actually might <laughs> make you worry a lot more. You go, why? And you go, because everything God does, he does from an eternal perspective, right? We're so finite. All we see is what's in front of us because we've all been duped in life at different times. You know, we thought we saw it one way until, you know, next thing we know, we saw it another. And you go, oh, that's what perspective does. Perspective changed Paul's life. You go, wow. Well, it also changed. Remember the apostle John, as I shared with you, John was known as what? One of the sons of thunder, right? I mean, every time somebody did something that he didn't like, what would he do? And he's with Jesus, right? He's, he's, he's with Jesus. He's going, Hey, Jesus, you want us to call down fire from heaven? Let's just fry him now. Let's do that Elijah thing again. Let's just, you know, let's just take care of him. And you go, but that wasn't Jesus heart. And you go, but what happened to John? He had an encounter. Where was his encounter? the Mount of Transfiguration, right? When he got to see the glory of God, that changed his life forever. And Jesus has prayed that for me and you in John chapter 17. You need to study that for yourself, that we might, we might behold his glory, that we might be with him. And you go, yeah, but, but if I could go to heaven today, and you go, you don't need to. You have the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. It says you have a more sure word of prophecy. You have the Bible. That you have this word of God, this is God's word, and it's unchanging, and it's profitable, it's good for everything in our life. And he says, and it's right there for us. And then we have, on top of that, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have God himself living inside of us, okay? We have a power, the same power, Paul says, that raised Jesus from the dead. 
is living inside of you and I. We have, don't have any excuses. Again, it's, but when we look to ourselves and we make it about me and you make it about you, we lose everything. But again, as, as John would say, I must decrease that what? He might increase, right? Yeah. You know, and greater things, you know, but we can do, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> you know, but in him, we can do all things. Paul would say through Christ who what? Who strengthens me. Yeah. And so here's, here's this life of, of the apostle Paul. He gets it. He understands completely in his own life. And he, he, he shares it with us here. Look in verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What he's saying is, guys, I can't lose. No matter what direction I go, that's a beautiful thing in the life of a believer, isn't it? No matter where you go, it's like you go, well, I mean, I don't know, Lord, should I go this way? Go whatever. I love that expression. Love God and do what you please. Well, can it be like that? And you go, yes, because if you love God, what are you going to do? I want to do what pleases God. Amen. If you love God, and that's where, again, the first commandment. It wasn't because God was a killjoy. It puts everything into perspective. When you and I love God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, you go, everything starts to fall into place. It's getting my eyes off myself. And that's why the 10th commandment is thou shalt not what? Covet. And you go, we're, you know, we've all wanted something that we didn't have. And then you get it. And then did it satisfy? And you go, no. Because really, as C.S. Lewis said, you know, the greatest joy is in desire. It's not in the attainment. It's actually in the desire itself. And there's something about that, you know, this side of heaven. And so you look at this, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like I said, he didn't understand just like you and I, we don't understand all the whys that go on. Why is this happening? Why am I in a prison? He didn't even ask the question any longer. Not saying that he didn't ask the question. He got to the place of maturity where he stopped asking the question. He stopped asking why and instead said, okay, Lord, you know what? It is what it is, but you're sovereign and you're in control. You know, as I try to share with you as much as I possibly can, I'll take you back to Romans 8, 28. You know, all things do what? They work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. He never said all things were good. Everyone, I know so many of your stories and all the things that you've gone through are not good. There's tremendous pain and hurt and sorrow, but God is good all the time. And looking back, You've learned, just like my friend Chris, he's going, Mike, what I know today that I didn't know before, you know, it's a verse that, you know, we all know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for what? Thou art with me. He goes, I, I know today more than ever before in my life, God is with me. And if it takes that, an accident to bring that about, you realize in this life is just, as we'll talk about here in just a moment, is just a tent you go, you can focus in on the best is still yet to be. And you can go, it's not about me. It's about God. And to think that, you know, God would move, you know, a young man from Bakersfield to Colorado. Maybe it's going to be somebody coming through that hospital, you know, room door. And he'll be that beacon of light and he'll be that beacon of hope. And, and he will usher them into the kingdom of heaven by the spirit of God, by his testimony, because that's what he wants to do. He wants to be used of God. And he's going, God, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to focus on me. I don't want to miss what you have for me. And so much of the time I can get in my own way. And I believe, you know, if you're honest, maybe you could say that too. And you go, yeah. But when we get our eyes on Jesus, you know, again, that acrostic will keep coming back to it. Joy, Jesus, others, you. 
You make that the focus. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says, all these other things, they'll be added unto you. Because Paul knew, you know, what the enemy meant for evil, God was using for good. Amen. And, and I hope that you're seeing that as you look back over your own life. And that takes patience. You know, Peter would write that, you know, in his epistle, you know, that, you know, he says, you know, count it all joy when you suffer these various trials that you go through. You know, God's, God's doing something, you know, in our lives. He's working you know, to bring us to this, this glorious end. Verses 22 through 26 there in Philippians 1 goes on. He says, but if I live on in the flesh, you know, because he's going, man, I can't lose, right? You know, if I die, okay, if I live, good. He says, but if I live on in the flesh, he said, this will mean fruit from my labor. And that, that's the goal of our life is to be fruitful. That Jesus, you know, uh, desires. He said, you know, that he's divine, you know, uh, and we're the branch. And, and if we are connected to him, he's going, you're going to bear fruit. That's what he wants us to do in this life, to be fruit bearers. And the father is the vine dresser. He's the one that prunes us. He's the one who cuts us. So that what? So that we can produce more fruit. Paul sees that's what his life is about. So we want to get rid of those things in our life that aren't fruitful. And we're asking God, you know, to, to fertilize us, to water us, to do whatever he needs to do to make us fruitful. And he says, this will be fruit for my labor. He says, yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. And I'm going to, I'm going to focus in on this, these two verses here in just a moment. Verse 23 as well. He says, for I'm hard pressed between the two having a desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. He says, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Here's a guy that's living by the acrostic joy, Jesus, others, and then himself. He says, is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you, which he did. He didn't die right then. It will be later on that he will. He'll suffer a martyr's death, be beheaded for the faith. He says, but with you for all your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Christ Jesus. There's the focus again. It's not going, hey, that you guys will remember me or, you know, it'll be about me. He goes, no, that it'll be abundant in Christ Jesus, my coming to you again. You know, have you ever heard the expression, they were so heavenly minded, they were of no earthly good? Yeah. Well, actually, Paul is saying the very opposite. He's going, you won't be any earthly good to God until you become heavenly minded. And, and that's, what he, that's what he's done here in his life. And he, he's really exemplifying what we see, what Jesus taught when he taught the disciples how to pray, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer there in Matthew chapter six, where he said, not my will, but what? But yours be done. And I'm gonna really focus in on this day. And I'm, I, I hope you, you can lock in on this because, you know, again, uh, we all want more joy. I mean, if we're honest, we go, yeah, Pastor Mike, I want more joy. I want more joy. And, and Paul models that. Where is that joy and how do we attain that? Because it's not going to happen through happenings because happenings are up and they're down. They change with the circumstances of our life. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So joy can be a settled issue in, in each of our lives, but it only happens as we surrender to his will in our life. And that's what the apostle Paul has done. He's surrendered completely to God. He said, you know, we covered this in the previous weeks. He said, I'm a bond servant, right? I've made myself a doulos, a bond servant, a willing slave of God. He goes, I've surrendered my life to God. It's no longer I who lives as Galatians 2.20 tells us, but what? But Christ lives in me. And he says, now the life that I now live, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He had a purpose in life. And that purpose was the glory of God, the same purpose that should drive our lives. And if it's not, it's a really good indicator today. You're going, nah, now I see why I'm not experiencing the joy that I would like to experience. You go, because he's, Jesus isn't as much as a focus. I'm not saying he's not a focus, but he's not the focus of your life. And for Paul, we understand Jesus was everything to the apostle Paul. And so, you know, again, uh, verse 22 goes on. He says, if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. This, I love this, that word tell there, it's the Greek word gnorzia. And it's, it's, it means to reveal. And it's a really interesting word because what Paul is saying is, is the same thing that Jesus said. If you're a note taker, you might write this down. I didn't put it in my notes because it's just so extensive. But John chapter 5, because it's, it's one of those verses where the, the cults really take it and try to run with it, you know, and where uh, Jesus says, I only do that which I see my father doing. And he says, and I only speak the things that I hear my father saying. And so the Jews, you know, they were upset because they recognized what Jesus was doing was claiming to be the son of God, which made him equal to God, which is really a statement of saying that he believed he was God. And that's what he was saying exactly. But what he was doing was he was talking about living in submission to his heavenly father. And that's what he was doing in his earthly life. He was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. When he went through his baptism, you know, what was he demonstrating is that he wasn't relying on his deity, right? He set that aside and he was relying completely on the Holy Spirit living in him, residing or lenting upon him, you know. And so you think of that and you go, he was modeling the same way that you and I can glorify and honor God in our lives by, again, understanding, reading, applying the word of God, you know, understanding that the word of God, you know, every word is inspired of God. It's perfect. It's without error. And it's good for practical application in our lives on a day-to-day -day basis. And so Paul is saying this word tell, he's saying, I, I can't, I can't tell you what I would choose, he says, because the Father hasn't told me. That, that's not just a slight statement here, okay? When he's saying, I, I would prefer to go be with, with, with Jesus, but I'm going to stay here. And he goes, but I, I can't tell you. And it's not because he doesn't want to tell us. He's going, I can't tell you because God hasn't told me. And I love that because what that demonstrates to us is a sensitivity to the Word of God and the leading of God's Spirit in a person's life. You see, we always confuse it when Jesus says it. We go, well, he was God, you know. But I mean, Paul, Paul was just like me. Paul was just like you. But he's doing the exact same thing. He said, be imitators of me as I am what? Of Christ, right? So you go back to John chapter five. Jesus is going, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only speak what I hear the Father say. And Paul's saying, I can't tell you because I haven't heard the Father say it. I haven't seen what he's going to do. So what am I going to do? The same thing he calls you and I to do. Wait. Anybody like to wait here? You know, no, that's the hard part is waiting, but trusting God. And in verse 23, and I'm, this is where I'm parking today on this verse. He says, for I am hard pressed between the two. How many of you here by a show of hands, you've ever felt like you were between a rock and a hard place? You know what that is, right? You go between a rock, you just feel like you're pressed, that there's no options, there's no choices for you. And usually what happens when we get to a place like this, it's like being in a funnel. You know, again, Jesus told us this. He said, the way of 
the, of destruction, right? He said it's broad and wide. It's like, so if you look at a funnel, he goes, man, it's, you're, it's, it's the big end of a funnel. He said, but the way of life, he said, is narrow and difficult is the way. It's like being, it's like being at the, the small end of a funnel, right? Well, for the Christian life, it's, we're like in a funnel. Right now, we're hard-pressed. We're in the short end of the funnel. There's not a lot of options there. And that's why a lot of people don't like Christianity. Jesus didn't give us a lot of options in the truest sense, but thank God he didn't. If you really break this down, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. So how many options does he give you there for salvation? Two? No, there's just one. He says, I'm the door. Okay, he didn't say I'm one of the doors, right? He said, I'm the door. You go, and thank God for that. Like I've told you, I go, man, wouldn't it, how scary would that be? We're talking about eternity in hell, okay? God's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Thank God there's only one way, right? Thank God that there's only one door. And he's clearly marked it. It's him. Jesus is the door. He is the way. Just think that there for a second, you're talking about eternity in hell apart from God. He's going, hey, there's door number one and there's door number two. Go for it. How many of you would feel confident choosing the door? Yeah, you'd be going, I want to feel heat, heat. And you don't know. He's going, well, you just got to pick one. You go, God, I don't want to pick. What if I'm wrong? And God knows there's a 50, 50% chance we'd be wrong. So he doesn't leave us the option to fail. That's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Putting all your eggs in his basket for Easter. You go, I am counting on who? Well, what made him unique was the fact that he's the only one who has risen from the dead. You know, I mean, and not in the sense of, you know, Lazarus would go, okay, Lazarus came back. You go, but did Lazarus die again? You go, yep. Jesus, he died once and for all. And he rose again, never to die again. And he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And, and there's where we can find. And that's what Paul came to understand. It's what John came to understand was this, this full revelation of the fact that Jesus was who he claimed to be. That Jesus is the one who changes our lives. Jesus, the gospel, the power of God unto salvation. And so, you know, here's Paul going, but, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm between the rock and the hard place. And what did he do when he got to that place? The same thing, if you want more joy in your life, is you let go and you let God. What do I mean by that? Surrender. Surrender. Surrender to God. You ever made a bad decision because you felt like you didn't have any other options? See, people in life, they'll go, you know, they'll make really bad choices because they go, I, I wasn't left with any other choice, or I didn't have any other option. Or a lot of people just go, you know what? I just wanted out. And you go, we all get that. And Paul's going, I get it. I understand it. But the way out is, is not what you think. The way out is always the cross. The way out is always Christ. I love this, this quote I read this week, and I put it in my notes here. It said, you can seek control or you can seek God's glory, but you can't seek both. And I think that's, that's the big struggle. It's not the struggle that Paul had. It's the struggle that we have. You can seek control because we want to be in control. See, we don't like when it gets down to, and that's what the world's saying. I don't like just having one option because one option makes me feel like I'm at the short end of the funnel, makes me feel like I'm confined. But really, it's the freedom that comes with that, that there's just one choice. It's like, you know, shopping at Costco. I mean, it's like, you know, you got one-stop shop, right? 
type of thing. You know, that I remember when Costco first opened up, I mean, walking into it for the very first time, you know, grocery store and you walk into Costco and it, I called it Covet's Co. Because you would go to Costco and you would always end up with something way more than what you needed when you got there. But it was cool. I mean, everybody needs an umbrella that could roll on the ground. And, you know, you know, and you go, you just learn you need stuff that you didn't know that you needed until you go to Costco, right? You know, it's just, it's just one of those, those places. But, you know, Paul, Paul's at this point in his life where he's going, you know, it isn't about having all these options. You know, but he, but he understood full well the pressure that we'll, we'll feel. But it's that relinquishing of the control of our lives to God where you experience God's glory. And there's such freedom in that. Verse 23 goes on and it says, you know, for I'm hard pressed between the two. It says, having a desire to depart to be with Christ, he says, which is far better. So Paul knows, again, the tension for him is he's going, I know that to, to be here with you on earth is going to be more fruit for me to bear. It's going to be more fruitful labor for the church there in Philippi. But personally, he's going, man, I, I want to go home. I want to be with the Lord. And he goes, which is far better. And you think about, you know, what, what is he talking about here? Because Paul sees his death as what in scripture? He sees it as a departure. He sees it as a departure. And this is important because this was, this is what freed Peter and James and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is what freed John up in the book of Revelation. It's what freed Paul up when he was taken up into the third heaven they saw the glory of God. They experienced the glory of God for themselves. For you and me, it's having the word of God here today going, we can read the book of Revelation. We can read the end of the story, which is what? Is one day we are going to put off this body, this tent. We're going to get a new body, a not a resurrected body, which we're going to get when we die. But together, every single one of us together will get a glorified body, one that's perfect, that never dies, has no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, all those things. We know that because of the word of God. And we can rest in that today. And, that, and that's what John, they had that revelation. They had that full knowledge of the glory of God. And so when Paul talks about departing, he's not just talking about dying. See, when you and I think of dying, we think of finality. And that's what worries so many people. We think that's the end. He's not using the word in the sense die. He uses the word depart. And this is why I wanted to walk you through it, because there's joy, you know, when you start to comprehend what God was saying in his word. That word depart here, it's the Greek word, it's analeo, okay? It's A-N-A-L-Y-O, analeo. And it translated, it means to break up, to undo, or to unloose. And like I said, this is the part, I, I just pray you don't miss this this morning, lock in if you can with me here for a few moments, because when you think about this word depart in antiquity, there was really three places where this word was used. One was for soldiers. When soldiers were out in an encampment, they were in tents, right? We'll get to tents in a moment here. But when, when they were in their tents and they went to move, they would use the word analeo. They would depart and they, would, they were going from place to what? To place. They weren't going and then going no more but they were moving their camp. So soldiers used it. Sailors, it was also a nautical term. Sailors would also use the same word when ships were going from port to port, okay? So important that we get this because it wasn't just leaving and going out to sea. They were going from port to port, from camp to camp. And so when Paul's saying, my departures, he recognized he's not just gonna, he's not dying. That's not the end 
of Paul, okay? He's departing. He's getting ready to end in one thing and step through this threshold into another. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6, uh, he says this. Uh, he says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. He says, and the time of my, what? Departure is at hand. It's like, you know, departure. When somebody goes, hey, you know, they ask you, what time is your departure? They usually have an understanding that you, you know, you look at an air, you know, plane flight or train or whatever boat, whatever, you, there's a departure and there's an arrival, right? So he's not telling us about the arrival here, but he's understanding that where there's a departure, there is an arrival, okay? And that brings him joy. That's, that's why he says to be with Jesus is far better because it's not just a departure, it's an arrival, okay? And that's what we, we sometimes we miss that. He's going, no, no. As he tells us in Corinthians, to be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. Yeah. And that's bringing him tremendous joy here is that he's going, hey, he doesn't have a death wish. He's going, it's, you know, my will is, I, yeah, I would go be with Jesus. He goes, but I can't tell you because I don't know. Uh, maybe God wants me here to further, you know, the fruit in my own life, which is going to be what? To bring more joy, hopefully, to your life, to help you experience the joy of God. Uh, it reminds me of, you know, the old hymn. I, I, first service, I was going to have John Jones come up and sing this. How many of you ever heard the, the old hymn, I'll Fly Away? You know, I'll fly away. Oh, you ever go to a, a funeral? Usually it's, you know, someone of, of a previous generation. That's not necessarily a song we sing so much anymore. But I remember going as kids, you know, to funerals. And, you know, we're singing, I'll fly away, oh, Lord. I'll fly. Tell me you know, that celestial story. I'll fly. You know, go, that was pretty fun. I didn't even, I, it, it was just a... It, kind of a catchy song. I remember singing it in the car. We weren't even Christians. But it was just that thing. You go, but nobody was sad. As they were going, you know, I'll read the words to you. I won't sing it to you. He says, I'll fly away. Some glad morning when this life is... He goes, I'll fly away to, to a home on God's celestial shore. So did, did the, the hymn writers get this? Yeah. They go, I'll fly away, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Just a few more weary days, and then I'll fly away to a land where joy shall never end, I'll fly away. I think that's, they're reading Paul. They're, they're getting it, they're understanding, you know, and, and God wants you and I to understand that there, there's, there's no fear. See, we think sometimes, you know, the opposite of love is hate. It's not what the Bible teaches. No, the opposite of love is fear. The opposite of love is fear. John says, there's no fear in love for perfect love casts out fear. Because usually when people hate something, is what? it's because they're afraid of something. They don't, they don't understand it. They don't comprehend it. And so there's a defense mechanism that comes you know, to us. That's why people talk about love and hate being so, so connected you know, in that. Because there's a fear. Fear of, you know, I'll be hurt. Or fear of, you know, something detrimental is going to happen to me. And so, you know, here's the Apostle Paul, you know, reminding us, hey, just know, you know, you've, there's a departure. There's a departure. So he talks about, like I said, that word soldiers used it. You know, you had sailors using it. But my favorite one, you know, when I look at this, you know, really comes down to is what farmers ultimately would use. Because Paul's talking about this departure. He's talking about, you know, an, an, an encampment, moving something or removing something and moving from place to place. You remember, like I, I shared with you in 2 Corinthians 5.1, he says, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, right? So he's calling, what is he calling a tent there? It's our body, right? 
He says, if our tent is destroyed, we have a building from God. Ooh, a building's a lot better for, you know, than a tent. He says, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You know, every time I read that verse, I always think back to a wedding I did at the coast. I've shared this story with you before where the father, the, the bride, uh, he was going through a midlife crisis at the time. And so he bought a Harley. So he, he had gone over there and he was riding up and down Highway 1. I guess that's what you do when you go through a midlife crisis. You, you know, he said that he was just, he had the, the sun, you know, just shining down on him. He was just, you know, wind in his face. He goes, man, I was just, Mike, he goes, I was loving it. And he goes, but then I looked over and he said, I could see my shadow. He said, the sun was coming down. And he goes, and I looked at my shadow and he goes, I, I didn't know what it was. He goes, it was, it was like I had a, a turkey beard. He goes, right below my chin. He goes, I was looking down the ground. He goes, this thing was going in my shadow. And he goes, and I went up and I, he goes, oh my gosh. He goes, I looked down. He goes, and right again, he goes, and he goes, so I, he goes, man, I, I, I didn't know what to do. He goes, I pulled over at the first gas station. I went in, he goes, I went in and bought me a man scarf. And I said, a man scarf? I go, what's a man scarf? And he goes, well, it's just a bandana. He goes, but I tied it around my neck. He goes, so whenever you see a man wearing a, 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 you know, a man scarf around his neck, he goes, that's just to keep his turkey beard, you know, from flopping around in the wind. And he goes, and, uh, but I always thought about it because that's what Paul's talking about. Paul's a tent maker, right? Paul, Paul recognizes, you know, we make so much, you know, out of our bodies, just the culture in which we live in, the vanity that comes with it. But here's Paul's going, it's just a tent, right? And this tent's going to fall apart no matter how long you live at some point, you know, I mean, it's kind of a ridiculous thing. You think about, we, we go, we, we've all been to funerals, you know, and you don't know what to say. It's kind of awkward. You know, you go to a funeral, but you walk up and you look in the casket, you know, and they, so, Hey, well, you just went, Mike looked really good. Yeah, how does a dead person look good? I mean, it's just the, you know, you go, Ooh, they're dead, but it's just like, you know, well, you know, like that was really what it was all about. Paul recognizes it's not this, it's not this tent, right? It's what's inside, Christ in you, right? It's our spirit, our soul, the God in us, right? That, that's what's going to go on. This body's going in the ground, you know? It's going to be ashes to ashes and dust to dust. He's not worried about this thing at all. He's not making it, you know, the priority of his life. So like I said, he, he doesn't just use it with regard to a soldier or a sailor, Really, the most meaningful is the definition of a farmer, because farmers use the same word, analeo, for this, the oxen when they would put the yoke upon their back. And then at the end of the day, when they would take it off, it says they, they were departing from the work. The workload is done. And when the work is done, they analeo, they depart. You know, it's like when you go, hey, I'm out of here. Like you say that, you know, sometimes at work, I'm done. I'm out of here. Analeo. Well, Paul is going, you know what? The work is done. If, if I'm out of here and you're out of here, he's going, it's okay. It's, the work is done. And, and there's a beautiful thing in that because Jesus spoke to that very thing in Matthew chapter 11. Remember in verse 28 through 30, where Jesus is inviting us. Maybe you're here today and you're going, man, I'm done. I'm just so, so tired. I'm not talking about death per se. I'm talking about just tired of trying to be in control. And you man, I, I need to surrender. And he wants you to surrender. And Jesus said, you know, if you're tired, he says this, he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. He says, and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, I love that. Paul's going, man, the burden, the burdens of this life. And you would think that, man, he's under all these burdens. He's going, no, I'm not under any burden because I gave all those burdens to him. As Peter would write, we're doing what? Casting all of our cares upon him because he cares about you. Yeah, there's so much freedom in that. So you look at, you know, verse 23 again, you know, look at this. He says, having a desire to depart to be with Christ, he says, you know, which is far, far better. Far, far better. And you go, why is that? Why is it far better? Well, Jesus said it, like I said, in John 14, 2 and 3, he said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it wasn't so, he said, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you, speaking of you and me, to himself. He says, that I, where I am, you may be also. So when Paul talks about departure, he's not just talking about dying, you know, and that's the end. You know, Psalm 116, 15 puts it like this. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Think about that. Precious is the sight. You know, yeah. As Ecclesiastes would say, your death day is better than your birthday. I mean, you know how excited you are when you, you have a child and a baby comes into the world. You know, there's a tremendous excitement. The excitement of heaven is when you die. That's like your birthday to heaven because guess what? You're home. You're home where you were created to be. You're home where you're going to spend eternity, you know, okay? Not even 100 years or 105 or 120, whatever the longest, you know, living human has ever made it. You're going to spend eternity there in heaven. And you think about how, how important that is. Paul would write to the church in Thessalonica and in 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, we will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And like I shared with you earlier from 2 Corinthians 5, 8, where Paul would say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's why he says in verse 23, Philippians 1, he says, it's far better. And you go, why? Why? Why is it far better? And you think about, you know, what did he understand? To be in the presence of God. As the psalmist would say, in the presence of God is what? The fullness of joy. See, and we can, we can experience his presence right now because he's with us. Like I said, my friend Chris, who's laying in a hospital bed, he recognizes the presence of God. Why? Because his eyes are open to it. He's looking unto him. He's looking for him. He, he's not focused on himself. He's going, Lord, where are you? And guess what? When you make that the cry of your heart, God shows up. He desires to make himself known. He wants to reveal himself to us. He's a God of revelation and he will show up any place where you will invite his presence to be. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. My friend, Mike Baker, years ago when he died, Mike was a, just a wonderful brother in the Lord. And uh, he had a cabin up on the Paiutes and uh, he was coming down from the cabin one day on the weekend and uh, the, the brakes or the transmission, excuse me, went out on his vehicle and he went over the edge uh, on one of the switchbacks there and uh, hit a tree and uh, didn't have his seatbelt on and, and uh, he, he suffered internal injuries. He was able to get out of the, 
the Jeep and uh, a buddy of his who was following him down on an ATV got there and, and uh, uh, helped him down off the side of the mountain. They got down to the road and uh, Mike collapsed into his arms and uh, his buddy was, you know, was there just like with, when Chris, you know, fell, uh, the paramedics were going, hey, Chris, you know, stay with me, stay with me and doing the same thing for Mike. And his buddy said, you know, Mike, stay with me. And uh, his friend at his memorial service, he said, you know, Mike looked up at me and he said, it, it's out of my hands. He goes, it's out of my control. He goes, I'm in God's hands. I'm in his control. And then he started to, you know, close his eyes and his buddy, you know, slapped him on the face. He goes, Mike, stay with me. And he said, the most amazing thing. He said, he looked right at me. He goes, he had this glow on his face. And he said, tell them it's beautiful. And he closed his eyes and he went to be with Jesus. And at his memorial service, they were sharing because many of his friends didn't know the Lord and they were telling about Mike's last day. And he said, you know, Mike had got up in the morning and says, you know, Mike was a divorced you know, man and, and he was sitting down in the kitchen. They were up, uh, he'd given them the loft. They were in the, the uh, bed there. They said they looked over the, the railing there and Mike was just sitting at the table um, just as the sun was coming up and he had a cup of coffee and he had his Bible out and he was just praying. He was just seeking the Lord. And that was their last, you know, memory of him. And he goes, here's just a guy that, you know, was just seeking the Lord, just seeking the very presence of God. And when you get to this place, there, when you develop that maturity in your life, you, you start, there is a longing for heaven. You know, you start recognizing, you know, it's been well said, you know, in, of this life. When you, when you get to that place where you realize there's nothing in this life that truly satisfies any longer, then you realize that you've been created for another place. And that place is heaven. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't enjoy life. We should. You know, Ecclesiastes says, you know, we should, you know, build our vineyards, you know, build our homes and raise our kids, raise our families, enjoy our wives, enjoy our husbands, enjoy life. God's going to enjoy it to the fullest. But recognize that we're pilgrims. We're passing through, right? And to hold it loosely and to hold it lightly there. And so he goes on and he says, nevertheless, in verse 24, he says, uh, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. That's all Paul's saying. He's going, it's not about me. He goes, it's about you. The most satisfying life is a sacrificial life. It was Jesus who said, the greatest amongst you is the servant. And to have that kind of heart. You know, like I said, one of the greatest marks of maturity is our willingness to put other people in front of ourselves. That's what we'll see, you know, in, in Philippians chapter two there. And, and I think about this, and I want to close with this thought. You know, as Christians, you know, we're, here's the hard press. And I was thinking about this this week. We pray Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? But to be honest, sometimes there's a part of me that goes, Lord, don't, don't, not yet. Because I can think of people specifically in my life that don't know Jesus. And I know that, that heaven and hell are real places and they're forever, they're for keeps. There's no purgatory. See, what I love about this, when Paul says, you know, for me to depart, see, our, our Seventh-day Adventist friends, they believe in soul sleep. But when Paul's saying the word depart here, remember, he's recognizing he's leaving one place, Analeo, he's leaving one place to arrive at another place, right? There, there's no, I mean, would you take joy in going, hey, uh, or, you know, um, like my Catholic friends, you got to go to purgatory for seven years. 
I mean, I wouldn't want to depart, would you? Matter of fact, I mean, I just want to be honest. I need to make a confession, okay, as a former Catholic. I would not put my life in your hands, okay, as a Catholic. If I had to go, hey, you guys are going to come to the church and light candles for me and pray me through to the other side. I want a whole different set of people, okay? No, I'm just kidding. No, you go, who would want that? You go, thank God we have one mediator between God and man, amen? Jesus Christ. And he didn't need to light a candle, okay? He sacrificed his blood on Calvary's cross. It's, it's not going to be works. It's not going to be reliance on, you know, on one another. Paul is going, it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he has done for us. But he also recognizes, you know, that, yeah, I'm hard pressed. I want to go be with Jesus. But you know what? There's people, they're going to go to hell. And they might go to hell because I didn't do anything with what I knew to do something with, which was to share his love and his light. That's why I was so, you know, not only was convicted, but so encouraged, you know, by listening to Chris this week in a hospital bed in Denver going, I just want my life to be a beacon of light. I just want my life to be a beacon of hope. I want everybody who comes into this hospital to want to come into my room because I want them to know the love of my savior. And I pray that for me and I pray that for you because that's, that's joy. That is Jesus, others, and you. It doesn't mean don't care about yourself. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, most of us don't have a problem loving ourselves. It's loving other people as much as we love ourselves. That's really the issue. And he closes with this in verse 25, and we'll end with this. He says, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for all your progress and joy of faith. Like I said, Paul has it down. The acrostic of joy is Jesus, others, and you. You want more joy in your life? I do. The way you do it, follow his example. He said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ, as you make your life about Jesus, about following him, about seeking him, about praying, about walking in his word, enjoying his presence. It's, it, God doesn't demand perfection on my part or your part. He provided the perfection, amen? There's none righteous, no, not one. But what he desires is that we be all in. You go, Lord, I want to I follow you completely with everything that I am and all that I've got. It's like a marriage, because that's what it is. We are the bride of Christ. And make Jesus your focus. And then the greatest joy in this life is just knowing him and then seeking to make him known with other people. Being a light, being a beacon of hope to other people. Everybody's going through a battle. And to be able to be there and to point them to the only one, the only one that they need, it's a one-stop shop, far better than Costco, is to say, man, turn it over to Jesus, surrender to him. And if you've yet to do that today, man, my heart's desire, my hope, my prayer is, man, don't leave this place without opening your heart to him by receiving the forgiveness of your sin and saying, God, I, I surrender. Uh, I give it to you. Let go, let God. And experience for yourself that peace that surpasses all understanding. Let it fill your heart and your mind today in Jesus. Walk with him. Uh, will you have hard days? Yeah. Will you have good days? Yeah. But they'll all, they can all be joy-filled days. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for just the opportunity to worship you today, to serve you together. To Lord, again, in one sense, I feel like I'm always preaching to the choir because 
this is a bunch of people that Lord on a Sunday, especially on a Sunday like this, where we sprang the clocks forward and we lost an hour, but they're here today. And just the, the energy, Lord, and worship this morning, just people singing out in their hearts, just loving to, to love you and to make their voices known, to make them heard, Lord, to desire all that you have for us. And so, Lord, just continue that work. Don't let it just be a couple hours here on a Sunday morning, but let it overflow into the rest of our week that, Lord, we would be that, that beacon of light and that beacon of hope to others. Like the Apostle Paul, that we wouldn't be moved by our circumstance and the situations of our life, but Lord, we'd be moved by you, that we'd be seeking you and praying to you and walking with you and you would be leading and guiding us. And so we'd get to the end of each day that we could look back and we'd see your fingerprints. We might not recognize the moment, but Lord, we would by the end of the day that we'd look back and we go, man, God was there. Surely the Lord was in this place. And Lord, I pray that for today. And I pray for every heart here that Lord, we could say that Lord, we've come to know you as our savior and Lord. And if there's anybody here today that is yet to receive you, Lord, I pray even now, Lord, that they would say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me from my sins. Lord, forgive me. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit that I could hear your voice. Give me the power, Lord, to deny myself and to walk in your ways. Go before me. And Lord, may they experience that peace that surpasses understanding. May they know the joy of the Lord. May it be their strength for all of us, Lord, as we go from this place today. Let your joy, Lord, be made full in each of our lives, we pray, for your glory and for our good, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, I'll invite you to stand to your feet. And we'll